People who laugh actually live longer than those who don't laugh. Few, few persons realize that health actually varies according to the amount of laughter. Hello and welcome to episode 330 of Under the Call of MS. Uh, laughter and water. Two major things that you need in life, in your daily life. Uh, we can live with lots of other things. Depression, anger, unhappiness, sadness. That's just going to bring you down, cause more problems, health problems and stuff. So smile once in a while. It's like, what's that one little thing they teach you? It's... Give yourself a daily uplift every day. Look in the mirror and smile at yourself. And do the ha 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 he 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 ho 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 as you smile. Just do those little chants over and over a few times. And it's supposed to help perk up your body and help your body get a good start for the day. And then while you're doing that, chug a glass of water. And like Dr. Booster says, Booster, Booster, Dr. Aaron Booster from the Booster Health at MS Institute at Ohio uh, says, drink a full glass of water with breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and one full glass in between breakfast and lunch, and one full glass in between lunch and dinner. That's enough water to at least get your body healthy for the day. Uh, if you drink some more with throughout the day, that's a good thing. But at least have those five glasses of water. And if you're getting them out of the way early in your day, then you're not peeing all night long. And if you are peeing all night long, that's your body telling you that you're not drinking enough water. And if you drink, and I know it doesn't make sense, but if you drink more water, you will pee less because your body regulates itself. So... Do that, and it'll help you stay off, stave off the urinary tract infections and all those nasty things that you don't want to get, especially if you have a chronic condition. But all right, let's look at some stuff here. What do we have to talk about today? Uh, some tips to stop mindless eating. And you're bored, you're wandering around, you're looking through your cupboards, you're just munching all day long and eating crap you don't need, but you can't get it out of your mind. But here's some tips that might help with that. Use visual reminders of the foods and drink you consume to help you stay mindful of how much you've already consumed. So as long as you see what you've had throughout the day and stuff and just not committing yourself to bottomless bowls of crap over and over all day long, uh, just leave some type of reflection so you know what you have had to during your day to eat or drink, and so you're not overdoing it. Uh, 
And if you see it, then you're not going to want to go out and just grab it randomly and just munch it. If you actually remember and recognize and relay to your brain that, hey, I've had that a few times already today. I don't need no more of it. I don't need to eat the whole bag of chips. <laughs> uh, see, favoring smaller packages can help you reduce the number of calories you consume by up to 25% without even noticing you can make yourself like say you pick up a bag of chips that you like split it into a bunch of little mini Ziploc bags and then you have one a day and then you got like a 100 calorie pack or something like that snack instead of having a 1200 calorie whole bag of chips or however many it would be Replacing large plates with smaller ones and wide, short glasses with tall, thin ones are easy ways to reduce your portion sizes and limit the effects of mindless eating. Uh, Drink-wise, I I don't have the problems with that because I don't drink weird stuff unless, like, Christmas time I'll get myself one jugger. One jug of eggnog a year, sometimes two, if I want to try two different types or something like that. Or if I want one with alcohol in it, one without or whatever. But I limit myself to that stuff. But my enjoyable drink for oddball things like alcoholic drinks and stuff is a little tiny. little thing that holds like four shots worth of whatever in it. And uh, that's... Other than that, I'm always drinking water, so I'm carrying around a 16 to 32 ounce jug of water at all times. But and the plate thing does work. I like last night we had chili with a grilled cheese sandwich because someone gave gave my wife a huge stack of cheese at the pharmacy and said it's a good cheese for. Uh, grilled cheese, so I figured I'd try it out last night. Yeah, it's not a super healthy meal, but it's enjoyable. And we had the grilled cheese on a small plate and then had a small bowl for our chili. And then that way you serve yourself a bowl of chili. If you want a little more, you give yourself a little more. But at least that one bowl sets in your mind that I just had a bowl of chili. I don't need to have two, three, four, or five of them, whereas normally... In the old days, I'd take the big plastic bowl, and that would be my bowl for chili, and then add cheese and sour cream and all that crap to it. And it's a bunch of calories that way. But this way, it, we did eat less, smaller portions because of how we had it last night. So that work, did actually work out good using smaller plates. For certain things, especially if you're serving like a buffet style or something. But reducing the variety of food flavors and colors and textures you're exposed to will help prevent you from eating more junk food than your body needs. It's like, see, I disagree with that. I mean, so you want to. See, they got a thing like they had researchers found that participants given bowls with 10 colors of M&M's 
843 more candies than those given bowls with seven colors, despite all M&Ms tasting the same. I suppose there are some people that might want to pick through and have like three of each color or something like that. I can see maybe that route going about it, but when I eat, I just grab and eat. I don't really think that out. At least I don't think I do, but maybe I do. So maybe that, but yet they say if a healthy plate of food is a plate of food with all, all different colors on it and I'm guessing they mean that only in the vegetable form and vegetable and fruit form and not in the candy form and stuff like that. Uh, keep tempting treats out of sight to prevent you from eating them mindlessly. On the other hand, keep healthy foods visible if hunger strikes. They usually will leave apples, oranges, bananas, stuff like that on the counter. But we also have chips and cookies and all that crap on the counters, too. And just so happens that the fruit will start to shrivel up and start to rot. But the candy's always there. <laughs> so, yeah, it's better to keep the healthier snacks out in eye view and not leave the crap in the cupboards. So you don't think about it unless you open up the cupboard. And it's like I bought a... Another thing I do once a year. Every Halloween, I buy myself a box of blueberry. Blueberry cereal. Well, I bought it this year, and I ended up having my first bowl. I believe at the beginning of 2022, <laughs> I had my first bowl, and I only had that one bowl so far out of it, and it's been sitting up in the cupboard. I don't think about it because it's up in the spaghetti cupboard in the pasta cupboard which is way up high so i don't open that cupboard that often because we don't have a lot of pasta and stuff i'll do spaghetti like once every couple of weeks or something or once a month but yeah so i bought that box towards the end of october and didn't even open it until january of the following year so it's good thing to keep that crap away from you take the convenience out of eating adding extra steps will allow you to turn a mindless eating behavior into a conscious choice reducing the chance of overindulgence uh, so basically if you got to walk further to get to your food it's less like you're gonna eat it and i agree with that because it's like i got a little container down here in the basement next to my computer full of crap but if i have a craving at night i like to have something so i have that here well i hit that damn thing more often than i should because it's here if it wasn't here i wouldn't be going after it and it's like so yeah it's you got it next to you or close to you then you're gonna eat it more likely eat the shit so stay away from it or just put it like on the other side of your yard like half half a mile away. <laughs> 30 40 50 yards away from your house and you'd have to walk through snow to get it then you probably won't eat it at all <laughs> uh slowing down your eating speed is an easy way to consume fewer calories and enjoy your meal more they say chew your food about a hundred times or whatever 
before you swallow and it's like but yeah eat slower and socializing it's like it's good to sit down with some people one meal a day and you sit there and socialize while you're eating that way you don't eat as fast it's or watch something entertaining and keep your mind active so you're just not constantly stuffing your mouth and or do something that keeps your hand and brain occupied so you're just snacking along as you work on that stuff and you're not just cramming the food in constantly and those are things you could do too but when dining in groups sit next to people who eat less or at a slower pace than you this can help prevent overeating well if you don't know how the people eat what you're just gonna do is start asking them how they eat but yeah it's something i guess you could try uh rely on internal cues of hunger rather than external ones to decrease the likelihood of eating more than your body needs so eat when you're hungry your body will tell you when it is hungry and it will request foods at those times so that's when you worry about eating and it'd be probably a healthier routine that way so i like intermittent fasting i go until i get to the point where i definitely need to eat something and my stomach's yelling at me and then i eat even though right now this week I noticed that I'm off that again. I, the cat situation had me all messed up, but now the last three nights he's been a good boy and actually let me stay in bed till four o'clock. So it's, it's I don't mind that. I can get up at four, four four thirty. Get up, wait till five five thirty, feed him, and then crawl back into bed. And I'm fine. I don't get the munchies or anything then. But then when you get up later at 8 o'clock or 7 o'clock or whatever, then you sometimes do get the munchies earlier. But I still prefer to wait till the afternoon to eat something. But not all foods labeled as healthy are good for you. Focus on ingredients rather than health claims. Also, avoid picking unhealthy sides to accompany your health meal, your healthy meal. Uh, like my mom made a, <laughs> I love her to death, but she made a cherry dessert yesterday. And since she didn't put actual sugar in it, she's telling everybody at dinner time, it's a great dessert and it's sugar-free. <laughs> There's no sugar in it. But she doesn't understand that everything that's canned and boxed has sugar in it. So it does add up quickly. Flour has sugar. Everything has sugar. And you just got to look at those ingredients and see what you're dealing with. Don't rely on the words on the box. Definitely check out the ingredients. Stockpiling foods increases your likelihood of overeating. Instead, get in the habit of buying only what is necessary for the week. I would love, well, I would love to live in the country, but have an open outdoor farmer's market close by. Because if I had a nice, big, beautiful farmer's market like they have in 
some of the big cities that have year-round nice weather. Even the ones that don't, New York and stuff, they have some pretty nice markets that you can go into that are more indoor style. Uh, but to get your fresh seafood, your fresh meats, your fresh vegetables, fruits, all that stuff, I would go every day and make a fresh meal every day and just just go through the market, picking the items that I want to make for that meal, and then sit there and go home, make it, and then the next day do the same exact thing and do it all over again. See what's up and see what you can come up with. And it would just be fun just to see what fresh meats are available and which ones look the best and just get to know each individual person at the market and have them give you little tips and ideas. Here, why don't you try this today and cook it with this and this and this and there's your a nice little meal for you. But yeah, when you stockpile and over shop and get your cupboards and shelves packed full, you're going to be picking at stuff constantly and eating crap and making crap. And right now, I got my freezer so packed full that half the shit's getting freezer burnt. I got to get in there. I got to start doing something with it, uh, taking things apart and getting that thing cleaned out and defrosted and wiped down and start fresh again. And it's nice every year, but yeah, I still have a couple turkeys sitting in there from Thanksgiving deal. And this year I got screwed anyways. I didn't realize that they only allowed you one overall turkey discount. And I went each time to get my turkey and get the discount. And here are the other times I didn't get. I only got it the one time. So that pissed me off this year. Stupid COVID. But high volume foods help you feel full and decrease food intake at the next meal. Eating fiber-rich foods is an easy way to do this. And you eat heavy, fibery foods, you'll feel it for a long time throughout the day. I mean, when I do eat stuff like Ezekiel bread and stuff, these higher, denser breads and shit, I will feel that thing in me for 8, 10, 12 hours. It's just, and it's good. The hard part is your brain's telling you, hey, I want to eat more shit, but I don't feel like I need to. I'm full, but I just crave more crap. <laughs> so, Eating without using your TV, computer, or smartphone may help decrease the amount of food your body needs to feel full and satisfied. It's like when you're staring at those screens, you can get to the point where you... You're just stuffing your mouth watching these food commercials, these food TV shows, all that stuff, and not really thinking about it, but your cravings go up and you're just stuffing your mouth without thinking. But Basically, to transition from mindless to mindful eating, try some of the simple tips that I mentioned. And then in doing so, you may improve your overall health and even lose weight in a way that feels easy and can be maintained over a long term because you're doing it mindlessly, not thinking about it. 
uh, you're doing it, thinking about it and doing it mindful. But for best results, choose just three of the things or so and aim to apply them regularly for at least 66 days and the average, which is the average time it takes to create a habit. And then you can always add some more after that and get yourself a nice little routine going. Your body might really appreciate it. But try it out. See what happens. Let's see. Um, let's look at some signs of gluten intolerance. Lots of people want to go gluten-free, which is a really good thing I found. Uh it's helped a lot of people a lot of different ways from skin conditions to weight issues to overall health issues but basically it's because they had adverse reactions to gluten which is a protein found in wheat barley and rye there's several potential causes of gluten intolerance including celiac disease non-celiac gluten sensitivity and wheat allergies uh, symptoms of celiac disease, which is the most severe form of gluten intolerance. It's an autoimmune disease that affects about 1% of the population and may lead to damage in the digestive system. But some signs are diarrhea, constipation, and smelly feces. Uh, fatigue. Chronic pain, sleep disruptions, psychological conditions such as depression, skin reactions, uh, things like psoriasis, which is an inflammatory condition, which is characterized by scaling and reddening of the skin. There's alopecia areata which is a autoimmune disease that appears as non-scarring hair loss. There's also chronic urticaria, which is a skin condition characterized by recurrent itchy pink or red lesions with pale centers. Uh, I know someone that had psoriasis their whole life and in their 40s went gluten-free and pretty much wiped out their psoriasis. Never used to go swimming when we were kids or nothing because their whole body is covered in shit. And now they, they're they out swimming, going to water parks, all that shit. Depression, anxiety, all symptoms which involve feelings of hopelessness and sadness can have a major effect on our daily life. Uh how gluten intolerance can drive depression, atypical serotonin levels, where serotonin is a neurotransmitter that allows cells to communicate. It's commonly known as one of the happiness hormones, since decreased levels have been associated with depression. There's gluten exorphins. These, these peptides are formed during the digestion of some of the gluten proteins, they may interfere with the central nervous system, which may raise the risk of depression. Changes in the gut microbiota, 
increased amounts of harmful bacteria and decreased amounts of beneficial bacteria may affect the central nervous system, increasing the risk of de- depression. Uh, with celiac disease, you might have unexplained weight loss, might have iron, iron deficiency anemia, which can cause symptoms such as low blood volume, fatigue, shortness of breath, dizziness, headaches, pale skin, weakness. Uh, you could have auto, autoimmune disorders. You can have joint and muscle pain, leg or arm numbness. Basically, basically, celiac disease is an autoimmune disorder associated with a long list of symptoms, including diarrhea, constipation, fatigue, chronic pain, depression, anxiety, unintentional weight loss, and more. Lots of things that you can find through other types of conditions also. So so you got to watch for those things and be be aware of them. Uh, And just don't kind of listen to your body and don't just disregard things. Some like non-celiac gluten sensitivity can have things like some common symptoms that it has are bloating, diarrhea and constipation, stomach pain, headaches, fatigue, depression and anxiety, pain, brain fog, uh, all kinds of digestive problems and stuff like that. But it's also a non-celiac gluten sensitivity is also a gluten intolerance. Uh, Symptoms of a wheat allergy are skin rash, digestive issues like nausea, vomiting, stomach cramps, diarrhea. Food allergies can also trigger other digestive symptoms including bloating, pain, and indigestion. Uh, With the wheat The wheat allergy can also have nasal congestion, anaphylaxis, Uh, wheat allergies, a type of food allergy that may cause those things. But basically, gluten intolerance can have numerous symptoms. However, keep in mind that most of the symptoms that I talked about have other explanations as well and can be related to other symptoms. Nevertheless, if you regularly experience some of them without an apparent cause, then you may be reacting to gluten in your diet. Speak with your healthcare professional about what may be the best option for you. It can't hurt to at least try it. Do a 30-day gluten uh, flush and just see what happens. See if your body responds to it. See if some of your issues respond to it. And what the hell? can't hurt to try it out. I'm going to stop it here and come back with, yeah, one more little portion. We're the health segment yet, right after this. Okay, let's look into a few other things that are... MS health-related type... <laughs> 
things. Let's see, we just looked at the signs of gluten issues. Now let's look at some of the best foods for your lung health. Uh, things that might help you, especially if you just quit smoking and you're trying to clean up your your lungs, trying to get some get them as strong as possible. Uh, so you hopefully don't end up with certain condition and get rid of like try and clean up some of the environmental toxins and all that shit that's in your lungs from exposure to cigarette smoke or regular toxins in the environment or if you got a crappy inflammatory diet that you're eating and which can take a toll on your organs and cause con- common conditions such as asthma, con- chronic and obstructive pulmonary disease, COPD, pulmonary fibrosis, and there's all kinds of different ones, but some foods that can help boost the lung function are beets and beet greens. Uh, beetroot and beet greens are rich in nitrates, which have been shown to benefit lung function. Nitrates help relax your blood vessels, vessels and reduce blood pressure and optimize oxygen uptake. Uh, peppers are amongst the richest sources of vitamin C. They're water-soluble nutrient that acts as a powerful antioxidant in your body. Uh it's especially important if you're a smoker to get as much vitamin C in, in you as possible. Uh, the damaging effects of cigarette smoke on your body's antioxidant stores. It's recommended, recommended that people who smoke consume an extra 35 milligrams of vitamin C per day. Uh, I know smokers that would just take lemons, cut them up in the pieces and just suck them, suck on them throughout the day. And they smoke, chain smoke cigarettes all day. (laughs) Uh, Apples, regularly eating apples may help promote lung function. Studies showing that apple intake is associated with a slower decline in lung lung function in ex-smokers. And consuming five or more apples a week is associated with greater lung function and reduced risk of COPD or developing COPD. Pumpkin studies show that having higher blood levels of carotenoids is associated with better lung function in both older and younger populations. And you can get that, that from pumpkins. They also have a variety of plant compounds in them, like carotenoids. Also, they have beta-carotene, lutein, and zeaxanthin. All great antioxidant and anti-inflammatory properties. Turmeric is often used to promote overall health due to its potential antioxidant and anti-inflammatory effects tomato and tomato products 
are among the richest dietary sources of lycopene and carotenoid antioxidant that has been associated with improved lung health. Blueberries are loaded with nutrients and their consumption has been associated with a number of health benefits, including protecting and preserving lung function. Blueberries are a rich source of anthocyanins, including malvidin, cyanidin, pianidin, delphinidin, and petunidin. Anthocyanins are powerful pigments that have been shown to protect lung tissue from oxidative damage. Green tea is a beverage that has impressive effects on health. Epigallocetophen gallate, EGCG, which you can find like over-the-counter medications or pills that have EGCG properties in them. It is a catechin concentrated in green tea. It boasts antioxidant and anti-inflammatory properties and has been shown to inhibit fibrosis or scarring of tissues. tissues. Uh, Pulmonary fibrosis is a disease characterized by progressive lung function, compromising scarring of lung tissue. Some research shows that EGCG may help treat that disease. Red cabbage is an affordable and rich source of anthocyanins. These plant pigments give red cabbage its vivid color. Anthocyanin intake has been linked to a reduced decline in lung function. Plus, cabbage is packed with fiber, which studies show that people who consume more fiber have better lung function than those who consume low amounts. Edamame beans contain compounds called isoflavones. Diets rich in isoflavones have been associated with a reduced risk of numerous diseases, including COPD. Consuming olive oil may help protect against respiratory conditions like asthma. Olive oil is a concentrated source of anti-inflammatory antioxidants, including polyphenols and vitamin E, which are responsible for its powerful health benefits. Oysters are lowered with nutrients that are, are essential to lung health, including zinc, selenium, B vitamins, and copper. Yogurts rich in calcium, potassium, phosphorus, and selenium. According to research, these nutrients may help boost lung function and protect against COPD risk. Brazil nuts are amongst the richest sources of selenium. That you can eat, a single Brazil nut may contain over 150% of the recommended intake for this important nutrient. You can't just eat one, (laughs) though concentrations vary significantly depending on growing conditions. In addition to boosting your energy levels, your morning cup of coffee may help protect your lungs. Coffee is packed with caffeine and antioxidants, which may be Beneficial for lung health, Swiss chard is a dark leafy green that's high in magnesium. 
Magnesium helps protect against inflammation and it helps bronchioles. Tiny airways in your lungs stay relaxed, preventing airway restriction. Barley is a nutritious whole grain that's high in fiber. High fiber diets rich in whole grains have been shown to have protective effects on lung function and may reduce the risk of mortality from lung-related diseases. Nasty anchovies are tiny fish that are packed with anti-inflammatory omega-3 fats, as well as other lung health-promoting nutrients like selenium and calcium and iron. Lentils are high in many nutrients that help support lung function, including magnesium, iron, copper, and potassium. Cocoa and cacao Products like dark chocolate are high in flavonoid antioxidants and contain a compound called theobromine, which helps relax the airways in the lungs. Basically, consuming a diet high in nutritious foods and beverages is a smart way to support and protect lung health. Coffee, dark leafy greens, fatty fish, peppers, tomatoes, olive oil, oysters, blueberries, and pumpkin are Just some examples of foods and drinks that have been shown to benefit lung function. Try incorporating a few of the foods and beverages into your diet to help support your health of your lungs and see how they go and see how your body accepts them. You can adjust from there with them. But yeah, check those out. See how well they do. See how they help you out. They're going to end it there. Be good to yourself. Be good to everybody else. Kick the shit out of Monster, and we'll get back to you again tomorrow with a normal Thursday episode. Take care. Talk to you again soon.